Welcome to Irish Passport. Uh, let's do it. Welcome to the Irish Passport. I'm Tim McInerney. I'm Naomi O'Leary. We're friends. Okay, well to Naomi. Ano Fad Tim. This is your passport to Irish culture, history and politics. Uh-huh. I'm recording. One, One two, two, three. three. Okay. Hi there, listeners. We promise that season five is on its way very soon, but while you're waiting, why not take a listen to this excerpt from our latest Patreon bonus episode? In this half pint, our special reporter Jennifer Smith returns to two interviewees we've heard from before on the podcast, Connor and Hannah, two young residents of Belfast who today explain their perspective of the recent unrest in Northern Ireland that has been making headlines all over the world. If you want to hear the whole interview, you can head on over to www.patreon.com forward slash the Irish Passport, where you can gain access to our whole archive of bonus episodes and help to support the podcast along the way. I'll hand you over to Jennifer Smith. Hey, Irish Passport. I'm here today with Connor and Hannah. Um, you might remember them from last year when we did our podcast at the beginning of the COVID-19 lockdowns in Belfast, and we had a nice chat about identity in Northern Ireland. Um, today, we are obviously not all in the same room. You guys are in Belfast still. And surviving. I'm surviving. <laughs> and I am in Paris. Um, and so we're going to have a bit of a chat about um, what's going on in Northern Ireland today, the unrest, the causes behind it, but mainly like your experiences, your views on like what it means for the peace process and how it's affecting you personally. Um, just like a quick run through for people who might not be aware of the unrest, just like very basically to go over it. Um, it kind of has to do with Brexit and the Irish sea border which um, for the Protestant Unionist Loyalist community symbolizes a weakening of the union, which so the union of the United Kingdom, which is obviously a key political point for them. And then it also has to do with the Bobby Story funeral and what would be viewed by like the PUL community or even maybe just by like a lot of people in Northern Ireland as a lack of repercussions um, for Sinn Féin politicians for attending that funeral and violating the health sanitary rules at the moment yeah i mean i think that's that's a fairly good rundown of kind of things that go on at the minute i think a lot of it has to do because it ties in those two points but it's to do with this sense of like unionists or loyalists not being listened to or not being heard either by westminster the eu or dublin and um, it's not really true but it's the feeling that people have here is that they're not being listened to and um, particularly for like people from like working class loyalist backgrounds like my uncle for instance, hasn't shut up about you know two-tier policing and all of the sort of you know unfair practices that have been going on against loyalists since the start of lockdown. Um, because he lives in a community like that, and it's frustrating because the same rhetoric that I would say cynically is being used um, is things like you know two-tier policing and this sort of uh, almost parallel justice that you. Know, so you hear a lot of this at the minute where like Sinn Féin IRA are getting away with so on and so on, or like they control the police, or as one of the non-commentators from North Down keeps saying, that the loyalist community feels like how the Republican community claimed to have felt towards the RUC, mm-hmm. but towards the PSNI. So it's this very bizarre interweaving yeah. of things, but it's this loss of being heard. I was going to say, it's just, it's interesting because I think like I'm doing a um, 
journalism masters at the moment and it's really interesting being kind of like a part of the media and seeing the kind of need to shoehorn it into an issue that can be like well digested and well understood and to say that it's about the Irish sea border is a really easy and concise way to do that whereas I think and like we Connor and I've actually had like lots of conversations about this where a lot of like it's feelings of abandonment yes but it's also like a year in lockdown with not a lot of way not a lot of ways to like express the identity that is such a visual identity and such one that is kind of like showing people and you know we're referring to like the marching on the 12th and stuff and that hasn't been able to happen and I'm sure you've seen like the reports a lot of the people who have been arrested are under the age of 20. So it's a lot of people who are actually kind of being fed this kind of rhetoric and then just being given an opportunity in unrest to kind of let off steam. And whilst that kind it's interesting because it's it's quite similar to how the loyalist communities often work where it's sort of older people are like the puppeteers, but it's young people perpetrating and young people who receive the repercussions of that. And in addition to this to the conversation about two-tier policing, I think um ever since kind of Black Lives Matter in the States, um a lot of sort of attention has been on policing. And I don't know whether that's something because my awareness has heightened, so I'm kind of pasting that on, but I think it is something that's generally has been felt across the province and across communities because there are these kind of instances again and again where police are acting in ways that you're beginning to question it. It's interesting how you mentioned that working in journalism now, you feel this kind of pressure to shoehorn it because Naomi did a half point also like talking about the unrest and she basically made a point to say that unrest sort of happens... I mean, it's happened since the peace process, and it's just that there's not generally this type of media coverage of it from abroad, and that this year with Brexit, there's sort of like this desire for maybe Remainers in in you know the UK or in England to be like, oh look, see we we can take a moral high ground now. Look what this has caused, um, and it's sort of like maybe um, for lack of a better word, a sexier issue, and so that's why it's getting more attention now than maybe similar situations yeah. have in the past. I'm going to say this and then I'll let Connor make okay. his actual point. But I have a good, like, I was making a radio package about the unrest on the week it was happening. And in order to kind of like get some dynamic sound effects, I, I just, I was like, it's so funny because it's like eight wee lads throwing stuff at police cars. You know, it's not really newsworthy in my opinion. Like, even just looking at it, I was like, this is a bit low stakes. And it, you know, and it's, there's actually like more police cars and there are people attacking it. And obviously that's kind of just the one video that I was looking at, but I find it quite funny because I got lots of texts from people in my class because I'm studying in Dublin yeah. um, and being like, oh my goodness, are you okay? And I was like, I actually like, yeah, but yeah. it's all, it's funny that this is kind of on your radar now because it like, it is online obviously, but it's not something that I'm like, anxious about or worried that the peace process is over or anything it's just kind of like this comes with the territory I think just because Brexit's being like bundled into it and the sea border more nations are kind of involved in a way that whenever it's just tension in here it's seen as less relevant and therefore it isn't covered Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I, I think that's spot on though, Jen. Like the it, it happens every summer. Like it, it, the last couple of years has been a bit more quiet, but it happens every summer and it happens every time there's something vaguely significant, like in our calendar. Um the difference is it's normally just working class communities fighting each other, so that doesn't garner any kind of interest because we live in a, a world that doesn't view those things as, as valuable. And now it, it is just easy to bundle in. It's also I think Hannah, you made the point, and it's a good point to make that there's a lot of anti-police sentiment, I think rightly, at the minute across the world. And there's a direct correlation between, so the first like protest event that happened in lockdown in Belfast and Derry was Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. It's the only one that's been criminalised. So there are still fines for the predominantly black and brown organisers that are being upheld, even though the UN <laughs> and the EU ruled them unlawful. Um but it was the first thing. And the week after, kind of to mimic what happened in London, you got a bunch of exactly the same old white loyalist men who are now um, directing violence in their own communities. You have exactly the same folks. They started this, like, protect the statues campaign. Mm-hmm. Like, in London and Bristol, there was a lot of sort of attack on colonial statues, like Ian, rightly so. Yeah. But here, there wasn't even a whiff of that happening. Okay. So, like, there was all these old fellas, my uncle included, standing around with their arms crossed and the beer bellies going you'll not take our Queen Victoria statue away while everyone else was going, what? But that was the first thing. And it was it was an explicitly politicised loyalist thing. It was, and since then, there's been this like ramping up of tensions inside the loyalist community in a way that like public protest as loyalists. And I think it's, they've become far more savvy than like during the days of flag protests. Because during the flag protest, it was this just anger. I remember that being in school. Like it was just this unbridled anger that just burst. And there were so many reasons for that. Um, but now they've got, while they're not the best or they're not the brightest, they've got some people who are now doing like spin for them. So you've got like Richard Garland and Jamie Bryson and all of these, again, white men who live in middle-class homes who pretend to be working-class voices, um, talking a lot of talk and spinning a lot of things. And they're writing the statements for paramilitary groups or cover groups for paramilitaries with this very flowery legal language. There's a lot of talk about like, oh, this thing breaches the 1800 Act of Union or this thing breaches the you know St. Andrew's Agreement and all of these flowery language. So it starts to dress it up in the same language that like civil rights movements around the world have used. Like mm-hmm. there's been puppet accounts on Twitter that are like Northern Irish civil rights matter. And it's like, you know, they're buying into the same language and currency of what is currently actually important about like, black people, brown people, East Asian folks. And they're doing it in a way for a group that is a supremacist group and one that is on the demise and also has legitimate concerns like educational underachievement and so on. But they never focus on educational achievement. They focus on the fact they're not allowed to march or that nationalists are now treated as equals by the law, you know. (laughs) Something that is a really good kind of example of these points as well is last week, um, there was this kind of emergence of a new loyalist group called <laughs> the United Unionists of Ulster, the UUU for short, which is like the worst acronym. Um, yeah, like, and so they, they, well, they were like, they sort of surfaced in February issuing these statements to say that they no longer supported the Good Friday Agreement and all this. But they organized a protest on Thursday and literally not a single person showed up okay not a single person so it's kind of like this there's these puppeteers right. but because whenever there's unrest they're getting 14 year old 15 year old to like pull the strings there's there's a real disconnect okay. between the people who want unrest and the people who are sort of perpetrating it and you see that yeah. with 
just that example of literally not a single soul turning up to so the protest d- organized. Does it sort of seem like on the ground that you do have these like these you have these puppeteers that are trying to sort of like um, orchestrate unrest for their own political goals, like no longer supporting the Good Friday Agreement, wanting like their political anxieties, they're stressed about the union maybe being weakened, but then the people who are actually turning out, like is it it's it's more just like teenagers and that's or even like young adolescents, not yet teenagers. Is that sort of what's happening? It's just kids who are maybe <clears throat> wanting to get some frustration. Yeah, well, I think there was an example of, of, like, a friend of ours who is, like, a community worker, and he went down to, like, the interface on, like, one of the weekends, like, there was unrest, and he was, like, just chatting to them, and he was like, it's just a bunch of kids who just want to throw stuff, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, like, there's, there's no political agenda on the floor, and, like, they just wanted to throw stuff at police cars and there was a load of police cars coming and like police would be like there would be a bunch of kids coming to like yeah. peace walls or the interface or whatever and just like standing about loitering about and then police would show up in riot gear yeah. in riot trucks yeah. and like I chase them down which then you know is provocative and antagonistic right. and these things then you know make teenagers yeah. lash out like it's yeah. not it's not rock designs and it's not really this kind of like big scheme it's just if a police starts batting at you you're gonna lash out because you're just standing there yeah. you know but i think that's been <laughs> we've seen it in, in figure over in the east time in the village and like so both areas that are loyalist but like the police they're literally like in the time this conversation has happened there's mm-hmm. been two cars have passed my window okay and like and that's just the way it is at the minute they're doing so many and it's so antagonistic and they're not just using the usual like peeler wagons it's like those big armored jeeps they yeah. drive around I me mean, you'll yeah. you'll be familiar with them but like there were those nights at lanark way they were sparring rubber bullets or plastic bullets you know like it's not it's the same as every police force in the world but like ours is just so much more militarized right, and right. so much more free with using military force and like i know hannah you've mentioned what connell was saying but like any of the ones like with cim and stuff who were down like chatting about it it is police doing what police do best and making the worst of a bad situation and like that's only like you know there's always been mistrust of uh, peelers in the republican community mm-hmm. that does exist and has always existed in certain sections of loyalist communities as well but it's only growing like in a way that like i don't think even when you were here jen mm-hmm. like the difference like not to do the writings on the wall but like the graffiti that's going up around here i point us in hannah and a couple of people recently it's funny because obviously the uvf in this area i am um, believe in covid because there's been an awful lot of like COVID hoax graffitis going okay. up recently and it comes down immediately. It's painted over immediately. Okay. But all of the, like the same handwriting, anti-Irish, you know, seaboarder or okay. uh, anti-PSNI message and it's been allowed to stay. Okay. So it's kind of funny because yeah. you can see like these jostling. Yeah. yeah, like there's a vetting process and what's allowed to stay up. Yeah. And so <laughs> what has the experience been in the village um, lately? Like has it been sort of just like similar, like just like young teenagers gathering or has there been... So the first night that made the news was kids from here, like my street actually as well. And um, they were down at Sandy, or like sort of Sandy Row, mm-hmm. Donegal Road, where they meet each other at the intersection. Um, and that was the first one that made like headlines because there'd been riot or been unrest for a couple of, about a week before then. Um, but there hadn't actually been anything on our road since. Okay. Um, I think a big part of it is because there are lots of complicated factors now in Belfast, like the road that I live on has gone from being in the last 10 years one of the staunchest loyalist places to predominantly rentals 
So you've got lots of foreign nationals. You've got people like me who are blow-ins from like the country mm-hmm. who went to uni and then stayed on. Yeah. Like it's changed the makeup of a lot. So there isn't the same. So I have a friend who lives a couple of streets over and she's been there about 10 years. And she said like when she moved in, you would have got the fellas rattling the coin pots and making sure your flag was up. And if you weren't going to put a flag up, you had to give a donation. And mom would have talked about that when she was growing up too. That hasn't happened to us on our street. We haven't had any interest from bandsmen looking donations because there isn't the same, I don't know, there's no ground support for it in this street. Now, in the streets behind us, there still is, which means there is a bit of bother and, like, the signs still go up and the flags are kept fairly regularly changed. And, like, there's a protest plan for tonight on this road. I haven't seen it yet. Okay. Um, I haven't heard it yet. Okay. And it's meant to have started there half an hour ago, so... Right. So it's a bit odd because Belfast has changed a lot and yeah. like especially communities like mine which or the community I live in which is one that would have been so staunchly loyal I think there's a real loss of confidence there because there's been nothing on this road it sort of seems like there's maybe like a big effort to organize something but then when it comes to like people coming out it's 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 a very low turnout or it's kids who just want to like vent frustration or sort of like throw stones at the police just because teenagers all over the world kind of do that maybe yeah and so the communities are changing and that even though there still exist political extremes that they're maybe the people who are on those political extremes are older and kind of they may have still like a big booming voice but a lot less power also like it's the timing as well i honestly think if there hadn't been a pandemic it would be very different but like most of the people who live around here work in the hospital okay you know there'll be that's it's right beside the royal and like that's where most people here work and you see them going out to work if their scrubs and stuff on so there's still a genuine like even there's been a couple of nights you know just for this usual stuff happens in the street like some wee fellas <laughs> getting beaten up or something um and everyone comes out on the street and stands and chats around but everyone keeps the distance and everyone it's just funny because that doesn't even happen in like supermarkets at the minute yeah but it's happening on the street here like so maybe maybe when restrictions lift you might see a difference the road around here but i like it's true and each community is different but this community is a community where most of the people here work as some form of healthcare worker okay. you know and that changes how they respond to like public gatherings sure whereas yeah. maybe that's different in other parts of the city yeah. you know i think as well like sort of the loyalist identity and like the pl identity is something that is shifting more and more like we already mentioned like the sort of mouth pieces of it or a lot of people who are like dressing up as working class people and like they're not ones who want to get their hands dirty and it there's this it's this disconnect again from people who kind of are holding on to this like loyalist identity from like 10 15 years ago and I think there has been a lot of comparison to what's going on now and the flag protests and you know that identity is something that is like wilting further and warping further in good ways and bad ways and it's interesting because this is like a census year for us and and there's not a lot like you know that it takes a wee while for everything to be measured but every census there's like this kind of like intake of breath of like what is the sort of unionist nationalist like catholic protestant percentage going to be and consistently there has been a rise of like nationalism and i think like this one even more than like in 2011 which was around the time of the flag protests you know it is this kind of like what what is actually happening and there is this um 
like, a like grasping at straws okay. for um, unionism. And I think, like, it's, there's, you know, if you look at any kind of backpedaling into kind of loyalist ideology, there isn't really one backing it up. It's kind of just, like, going against whatever is happening in, like, Republican communities. It's they're soundboarding off each other. And at the moment, because there it isn't a trouble, it's loyalists trying to, maneuver something because they don't have that soundboard and that common enemy so to speak of you know the other side of the community Mm -hmm. they're tearing themselves apart and very publicly doing that and I think that's why they're not being able they're like trying to organize stuff and people aren't following through because there isn't there aren't clear leaders and there aren't clear motives and there aren't clear aims of what this unrest is actually meant to lead to in any way you know Well, that was just one small part of this half-pint bonus episode. The rest of the interview is just as riveting, so as I said earlier, if you want to hear more, you can head on over to www.patreon.com forward slash the Irish Passport, where you can gain access to our archive of bonus episodes and support the podcast too. A huge thanks to Connor and Hannah for sharing their really insightful thoughts on this situation and for offering a window into an issue that has so often been misrepresented or oversimplified. Thanks so much also to Jennifer Smith for her fantastic reporting. Sláin everyone.